And so this week we're uh, continuing in this uh, Missio Day series that we're kind of shifting to the international stage this week. And as we do that, if there are children uh, who are participating in kids' worship, Alyssa is uh, in the back, uh, in the center aisle, and uh, she is waiting for y'all. If y'all want to gather with her, and <laughs> he's safe. We just had one do a slide in. Sorry, y'all can't see that. So, um, but if they'll gather, she'll uh, she'll do uh, be leading them out to worship. Uh, so Mishael Day is uh, for some of us may not be a, a real familiar term. So I'm just going to be sure you understand it. It's a it's a fancy way of saying God's mission uh, is what it is, and uh, it's a, a theology that came to be defined in the 20th century and uh, continues to be. Uh, with us, and uh, for me at least, is a powerful expression of what we are about, that we are, are, are joining in what God is already doing in the midst of the world. So uh, let's pray. So Father, we give you thanks for the beautiful weekend you've given us, for the sun that's been out this weekend, for the light that floods the world, and for the light that you flood us with in this time, opening us up to what it is you would say to us. So let the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight because you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So a lot of this uh, flows out of some scripture uh, understandings and things. I'm going to just spend a little time here to start with. Um, starting with Acts 1, uh, this is uh, the last uh, resurrection appearance before Jesus ascends to be in heaven. And, and the disciples gather around him and they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, there's a couple of things about this I'm just going to touch on right quick. You know, one, that question, you know, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I just think, how much time and effort have people spent trying to find the times and the dates when, when the kingdom's going to come back and all? And what Jesus clearly says here is, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. That, that's, so that, that's not what you're supposed to be spending your time on. And then he tells them what we are supposed to be spending our time on. Uh, when we receive the Spirit, waiting for the Spirit to come and empower us, then you will be my witnesses, not you might be, or I hope you are, but it's a definitive statement, a commissioning. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And remembering that they're in Jerusalem, in other words, right where you are, and then to Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So starting right where you are in Austin, Texas, and then to Judea and Samaria, that'd be Texas and Oklahoma, Sorry. And then to the ends of the earth. But, but I want you to hear it. It's an and statement. It's not an or. It's an and statement. It's not one or the other. It's, it's all of those that God sends us out to. Daryl Guter uh, has written, The church of Jesus Christ is not the purpose or goal of the gospel, but rather its instrument and witness. God's mission is calling and sending us, the church of Jesus Christ, to be a missionary church in our own societies and the cultures in which we find ourselves. So we're called to be witnesses and missionaries to the world from, from right where we're at, you know, with your words and your actions and your relationships, right where you're at, all the way to the other end of the world. 
That's the mission that we are called and what God sends us out on. When, when we get into the Gospels, in uh, Matthew's Gospels, uh, there's a, a story, a parable about the, the final judgment of the world where, where Jesus is the king who's doing the judgment. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And, and when he gets into that, he, he starts saying, you know, blessed are you, uh, you come and inherit the kingdom because you, know, you, you, you fed me when I was hungry and you gave me something to drink. And when I was in prison, you came and you visited me. And when I was sick, you came and you cared for me. And, and in response to that, the righteous say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The thing about this story that's important to me is I mean, we know the kind of qualifiers that he uses in here, but, but the righteous are unaware of it. They're not, they're not doing these things to earn favor. They're not doing them to check them off the list. They're not doing them out of a sense of obligation. I mean, they're, they're, they're seemingly unaware. They're doing them out of a response to God's love. And it's so much a part of who they are, and it's so deep-seated within them that they're not even aware that they're, they're doing this. They're just responding to the love that God has poured out on them. And to be sent out as witnesses is, is to respond in that way. Uh, in response to God's love, then, to, to share that love with the world. At the end of Matthew's gospel, he has what's often called the Great Commission. Uh, the final uh, scene where in Matthew's gospel that's recorded with Jesus and his disciples. And he, he comes to them and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want you to hear in that. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Not, not to you, not to the church, but to Christ. Christ carries all authority in heaven and on earth. And he sends his people out going with them going with them. We're, we're commanded to go out and make disciples, and he's, he's with us. But authority and power remain with Christ. We are the missionaries. He's still running the show. Um, Jürgen Moltmann, who was one of the big authors in this field, said, it is not the church that has a mission of salvation to fulfill in the world. It is the mission of the Son and the Spirit through the Father that includes the church. In other words, it's it, it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. And we are participating in what God's doing. God the Father sends the Son. God the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit send the church. Send the church. Alan Hirsch wrote about it this way. The mission of God flows directly through every believer and every community of faith that adheres to Jesus. To obstruct this is to block God's purposes in and through God's people. And one of my favorite kind of pithy ways of, of talking about this comes from uh, Richard Blackaby in his book, Experiencing God. He says, watch to see where God is working and join him. It really is that simple and it really is that difficult. 
So over my years of being in the church, what I've learned is that it, it, it is so easy for us to try to take control of that and to own that for ourselves instead of partnering with God and, and letting God be the lead on that. So I, this is just a little kind of a comparison that I, I put together. It's a, to talk about the difference between Missio Dei, God's mission, and, and Missio Ego, which is my mission. So Missio Ego says, I want to do this, and Missio Dei says, God wants to do this. Missio Ego says, well, this is what I think, and Missio Dei says, God thinks this, and usually that's revealed to us in Scripture. Missio Ego says, we should do this, and Missio Dei says, God is doing this. Missio Ego says, we can solve this, Missio Dei says, God is solving this. Missio Ego says, my plan or our plan is this. And Missio Dei says, God's plan is this. Missio Dei looks at a problem, I mean, Missio Ego looks at a problem and says, well, who's at fault for this? And Missio Dei looks at the same problem and says, how is God glorified? Missio Ego says, it's impossible. Missio Dei says, with God, all things are impossible. Missio Ego says, I am in charge. Missio Dei says, Jesus is Lord. Now, I know that sounds really simple, but, but my experience in the church and in my life is it is really much more difficult because we tend to have kind of an innate desire to take hold of it and own it instead of allowing God to own it. We tend to want to do our mission and ask God to join us in what we're doing instead of seeking out what God is doing and joining with him. And sometimes it is so subtle, it really sneaks up on us. So it takes a conscious effort to, to kind of be aware of that. And remember that, that a lot of the things that we encounter in life that are most powerful are not our ideas. We need to kind of lay that arrogance down and be humble before the Lord in all the things that God is doing. And that's challenging. So when I talk about international stuff, you know, one of the interesting things at the church is most of the things we have been involved in internationally are not our ideas. They were not things that we came up with. They were things that somebody else started the ball rolling on and we joined in. And one of the early things was nothing but nets. And if you're not aware of that, that was actually an effort that came out of the National Basketball Association, the NBA. Get it? Nothing but nets. It's a play on, play on terms, uh, to provide malaria nets. And, and the Methodist Church kind of joined in that, and then we kind of rebranded our part of it as Imagine No Malaria. But through joining in that effort, uh, nets were provided to a huge chunk of the developing world and, and had a major impact on the death rate from malaria. In a similar way, we, we knew some people and had talked to some people that knew about the Maua Methodist Hospital in Kenya. And, and so one year we decided we were going to send part of our Christmas Eve offering over to the hospital. Uh, so we, we wrote a check and we sent it to them. And uh, about a month or two after that, we, we got back from them this wonderful letter. And it says, you don't know it, but you have been an answer to our prayer. And they told us how the piece of equipment that they used to sterilize surgical instruments had broken down several months earlier and they'd been unable to do surgeries because they could not properly sterilize the surgical instruments. And they had begun to pray about that because they had no money to repair it or to replace it. 
And after they'd been praying about that for a month or two, our check arrived. So they sent us a copy of the invoice for the new machine. And we had our amount for our check. And they matched to the penny. They matched. You do not know it, but you are an answer to our prayer. So then we had a couple of teams that went and did work on their campus as part of that, to build that relationship with the Methodist Hospital. Years ago, a woman named Trudy Marshall, uh, out of her desire for education, started uh, working on providing uh, uh, reading resources to parts of the developing world. And so as she did that, she established something called Libraries of Love. And some of our educators in the church knew her and were connected and, and got connected with this and came alongside. And the next thing we were involved in, in participating with this, we're you know, receiving the books and packing them up and then uh, sending them over to stock uh, libraries in the developing world uh, for um, kids that were there in school to be able to access and then later on actually for prisons. So there are now 47 libraries in schools that are being supported and three libraries in prisons that are being supported through this ministry. And again, it, it didn't start with us, but we joined in with it. A number of years back, uh, <clears throat> that's right, a number of years back, uh, our, our young intern, Thomas Johnson, uh, invited us into a, a ministry in El Salvador that he had gotten connected with through the Wesley Foundation. And Thomas got involved with him, and then he thought it would be a great idea for a youth group from here to go, and he uh, talked us into that. And uh, we, we were talking about that the other day. We had some reservations about it. Uh, but, but he talked us into that, and, and we began to be in ministry with that. And then the next thing, you know, some of the adults began to go, and we got involved, and uh, I still serve on the board with that group. And, and initially, a lot of our connection with it was uh, through the orphanage and the school, uh, working with the kids that were living there and uh, being involved with them. But, but over the time, uh, they had the orphanage, they had school, they had bookstores, uh, and, and then they had this grand idea, this grand dream of providing medical care to the area. And out of that was the construction of the Shalom Family Medical Center. Center, uh, which serves a population of about 240,000 people. Uh, and, and as that, that came together, uh, there were a number of amazing things. You've heard me talk about this a little before, but a number of amazing things that happened in that. But, but one of the things that happened was there was a piece of equipment they received which allowed them to do early detection and treatment of cervical cancer, which is the number one killer of young women in El Salvador. And as they got the equipment and began to set it up, the problem was they needed money to pay for the staff person so they could get the permit from the government to operate and use this piece of equipment. And, uh, and so uh, one of the Sunday school classes in this church stepped up to that, and they began to uh, make breakfast tacos and things over here in some of the cafe when that was open. And then when the pandemic closed that, they continued to fund that. And so they regularly send a certain amount of money over there on a regular basis to provide the funding so that this ministry can take place. Again, we, we didn't start it. We didn't do it. We just joined in what God was doing. A number of years back, we had the opportunity to travel to Cuba. One of our members had been born there, and when, his fam when he was four, the family had been forced to leave, and they had left. And, and then there came a time when the doors opened for people to travel back into Cuba through a group based in Florida. And so we partnered with this group in Florida, and, and a crew from here got to travel to Cuba and work on only the second church to be allowed to build a building or have a building since the revolution. And so by day we went and we worked on the structure and did construction work. And then at night we got, went to the uh, local house churches 
and got to worship with the community. We had this amazing time with this community of faith and got to see what God was doing in the midst of Cuba. Wasn't our idea. We just joined in what God was doing. Before coming here, there's a member of this congregation that uh, through some uh, work connections got involved with the ministry in the Congo, began traveling into this area. And and as he traveled into this area, uh, he worked with them as they developed a school and then later a a seminary, medical clinic and so forth in this campus uh, in the middle of the Congo. Uh, They they came here and brought that here. The Discovery class joined in with uh, him in that mission, providing 200,000 annually 200,000 prenatal and neonatal vitamins uh, that go down there every year. And and that's provided with uh, food for meal sources to mothers and young children in the community uh, and has raised the level of health and vitality in that community. Along with the medical clinic there uh, that's still operating there, if you happen to be over there one day and you look, you might see one of these parked outside, one of the, the pets that some of those are made by members of this congregation. Uh, Again, it wasn't something that started here, but God started it and we got to join with it and to celebrate this ministry that's been going on for 17 years. And as often happens in ministries that last over those long periods of time, a lot of relationships and joy are built uh, because we are part of what God is doing. So a number of years back, a young woman stood in front of us on Youth Sunday and shared with us her passion about clean water in the world. And uh, you generously donated money. Uh, she was hoping to, to be, get the funds to drill one well. She actually got enough to drill three wells uh, that morning. And then uh, as we began to research that, one of the things we discovered was that a lot of the wells that were drilled in Africa don't hold up. They don't sustain. And we found that the World Vision, uh, when they did their wells, their wells had the highest rate of of ongoing usage of any of the organizations uh, that were doing this in Africa. We'd be in this conversation with World Vision at that point, uh, and they got involved with us, and those three wells eventually ended up being 10 wells that got drilled through their stewardship of those funds. And and they invited us to join with them in an area development project in Western Kenya. Um, We made a 10-year commitment to be in that with them. We have now passed that 10 years, uh, but that project is still scheduled to go through 2026, and so we are still committed to being with them in that project. It first started off, as a lot of them do, uh, one of the early projects was uh, water wells and water systems in the area, Uh, and so uh, we started off doing that. We've we've now actually been part of helping with uh, five different water systems that have been built in that area. The amazing thing with this is that in the first three years these systems were up and operating, the child mortality rate for children under the ages of five fell by 40% just because of clean water. Remember, this is an area of 65,000 people. Uh, and, and with the you know, increased vitality of children and other measures they were taking and keeping them in school, uh, there became a need for more schools. And so more schools were uh, built in the area. Uh, more supplies were provided to those schools to walk into one of those places and, and encounter this sea of blue uh, is, is just to be aware of how many children there are in the community and, and everything they're involved in. And as all of those kind of infrastructure projects came up and going, uh, the next step beyond that was to start helping folks build businesses. And so they started working with community-based organizations, which are kind of entrepreneurial businesses. 
Um, and one of the oldest ones in the area that we've been connected with uh, and gotten to know is the, the Bali Bio CBO. It's led by a woman named Beatrice. Uh, and as you look at that photo, you can see the joy on her face because that trophy she's holding is a recognition from World Vision Kenya that the ADP she's in, the Matete ADP, that year was recognized as the best ADP in Kenya. And so uh, you can see uh, her pride and her joy on her face. Uh, this group started off doing uh, peanut butter and tahini uh, and uh, began to sell that and then uh, got a plant nursery going and then started catering, then had to buy a truck to move the tents and chairs for the catering, and then had to get bigger tents and chairs, then they had to get a building to store that in, and then they had to get a bigger building to store everything in and to have events in, and they could lease the old building out, and then they started buying some houses and redoing them and leasing them out. It just, it just took off. The peanut butter is now sold nationally in the big super uh, national chain of superstores in Kenya. So it's sold across the country. Uh, and when we were there, uh, the last time as a group from here, uh, John Wolfhope, uh, who's our, uh, our Matete rep who's here today, uh, John got to uh, take a picture with some of the guys involved in the Bali Bio CBO. Uh, started by women, now employs both women and men. And the interesting thing is a number of years back, this group went to World Vision and said, let us be the ones that take care of taking all those letters to the children. So they are the ones that organize all the, the volunteers who take your letters and translate them if necessary, take them out to where the children live and bring the letters from the children back, translate them if necessary and have those delivered to you. They've taken over that function and so no longer is that done by World Vision staff, it's done by the members of this uh, community-based organization, which is exactly what we want to see happen to see them owning that ministry and, and running with it and doing amazing work with it. Uh, it. It's an amazing group of people to be around and an inspiring group of people and a joyful group of people. In addition to them, uh, we've uh, met with uh, several times with the, the local pastors who have been involved in this and who have received training uh, in various areas uh, as they've been about this. So uh, we've gotten to know them and hear about the training they've received and the difference it's making in their lives and in the lives of their congregations. Uh, one of the people who's been with us on many of these trips is Samuel Gamusa, and uh, he was originally a, a driver with us. He's now a national donor liaison staff person. I'm seeing if I'm saying that right. And, uh, and Samuel has sent a greeting to you. My name is Samuel Gamusa from World Vision Kenya. Allow me to say thank you to Bethany United Methodist Church. Ten years ago, when Bethany Church partnered with World Vision Kenya, mothers in Matete still walked many miles to get contaminated water. Children had little opportunity to receive an education, and farmers struggled to provide food for their families. Access to clean and potable water plus sanitation were non-existent. There were prevalence of malnutrition cases due to low uptake of balanced diets among children. In most schools, there were inadequate classrooms and furniture, making learners to absent themselves from school. However, thanks to your generous commitment and support of Bethany Church, today, the community of Matete have clean water to drink. Children are able to attend school in good environments and through school fee subsidies, which are given to the most vulnerable children. Farmers are learning 
new ways of growing crops that provide nutrition and an income to the families. Most households have enhanced, in, enhanced and impressed saving for transformation, which is enabling them to increase financial power, savings, and borrowing. We know that COVID impacted your community in Austin. COVID also impacted Matete community too. Schools were closed. And, the, and because of the lockdown, farmers had challenges even selling their crops. World Vision responded by providing additional training and sanitation plus hygiene. We worked with schools and the local government to distribute masks and encourage people to do social distancing and helped distribute food to families. We could not do all this important work without you. Thank you, Bethany Church, for the 10 years of partnership with World Vision. God bless your ministry. Thank you and amen. Yeah. So over those 10 years, uh, there have been about 700-something children that have been sponsored out of this. There's just under 500 actively still being sponsored at this time. And when you leave today out in the gathering area, there are, I think, 15 uh, that are still available for sponsoring. When those are gone, that's it. Uh, that will be the last that will be available to us out of this community. So if you've not done that and you want to think about that, uh, this is the time to do that. Also, even as uh, Samuel sent his uh, thank you to us, uh, we have an opportunity for you to say a thank you. There's uh, cards out there. You can write a thank you to Nick. You can also write a thank you to the folks in Matete. Uh, and uh, you can also video. Wynn uh, will be out there, I think, with her phone doing this, uh, doing video if you want to have a, a short video. And uh, we did that last night and uh, this morning. So you can do that and send that greeting to them. One of the things we didn't know when we started doing this was the way uh, God was going to orchestrate this. On the second trip that uh, we took over there, vision trip that went from this church over there, John and Judy Hassey were with us on that trip. And, uh, and this morning, their son, John Hassey, who is the National Director for World Vision in Zambia, uh, just happens to be here. And so I want to invite John to come up for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> okay, first off, John, John tell them about the trip, how long the trip takes to get here. Uh, on the way back, it's going to be over 30 hours. Um, I think it's like 20, 22 hours on the plane. Yeah. So... Yeah. It's, it's not a casual trip, so, uh, and we are, we are really blessed that he's here, and, and I asked him to come up and, and talk to us a little bit, and uh, wanted to, to talk a little bit about the, the ADP, the Area Development Project Model, and explain that. Yeah, so an ADP, as you saw here with Matete, it's, it's usually, these are like way out in the boondocks. I mean, these are places where they're forgotten. This is right on the border of Uganda, um, and these are the places where again, they're oftentimes forgotten by society. And yet what we do is we go in and we find the most vulnerable children in these places and we work with them to help improve the lives of not just them, but all of the community so that we see the whole community rising. So you saw, like Samuel said, and you saw in the pictures, you know, they get clean water. When you don't have clean water, it, like you said, it, it kills children. Um, it, it reduces their nutrition level. 
and things like that. So we help them grow better crops because we help them with financing. We don't give them money, but we teach them how to save money and how to work together to, to raise um, their own funds and how to start small businesses like we saw there. Um, we do everything from protecting girls and children so they don't get married at the age of 13 or 14, right? So they have a better future. And you saw the schools there. We improve all the schools. We train the teachers. So not just your sponsored child benefits from that, but everybody in the class sponsors, I mean, benefits from that. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So you're talking about sponsorship a little bit, and that's been one of the things that people have not always understood. Yeah. So explain to the folks how child sponsorship works. Well, when you sponsor a child, it's a great way for you to connect with a child who is living a very different life than, than us, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it really, you get an insight into their life. And what it does is we make sure that those children get a good education, right? They get better nutritious <laughs> care. They get better health care. Um, and so we're ensuring that they get to do that. But because they're in the program, because they're part of the, area, the ADP, we make sure that their cousins get it, that their friends at school get it, that their, you know, uh, the kids down the street get it as well. And so, like you said, this area development program has 40,000 people in it. Only three or 4,000 of those are sponsored children. So the, the grandparents benefit, the children benefit, everybody benefits. And you see the whole community rise because there's more, um, there's more businesses, the education's better, so you see start you start seeing money come into those areas better. Yeah, and when World Vision goes in, before we ever got involved in any of this, they had already been in the area for a while and had met with the community leaders yeah. to talk about what, what needed to happen and what right. their desires were. And then as that work was done, local community leaders took charge of that. They form committees to do that. Did you want to say anything about it? Yeah, usually we start, we go in and we meet with pastors. We meet, um, because they're everywhere. I mean, there's churches everywhere. And so they are oftentimes seen as the most, the, the leaders in the community. They're very influential. Traditional leaders, chiefs, uh, headmen, we work with them. And so we pull them together. And again, we want to be where God is working. We don't want to start somewhere else. There's a lot of poverty but we want to go where God is already working. So we carefully choose these places where we put our area programs, area development programs, because we want to be in those places where we're going to see maximum impact. And every water system, every school, every bit, there's a group of local leaders who exactly. take ownership of that. Yeah. So when World Vision pulls their staff out of that area, those projects yeah. are self-sustaining. Yeah. They keep going beyond the period of time we're there. Exactly. Each, each of those water systems that you did, what we did or what the team did was they worked with a group of, of, of probably eight to ten people. Mm -hmm. They made sure that they raised enough money because it's going to break. It's a machine, right? It's like your iPad or, or these speakers. They're going to break at some point. You have to repair them. And, and so that's not World Vision's water system anymore. It's their community's water system. And that's part of development. That's part of making sure that it goes longer than we're going to be there for the 15 years we'll be there. Or the 10 years or 15 years that, that, that Bethany's going to work in Matete. And, and so we work with them. We train several of the people how to maintain it. What are the problems? How can you fix a water system like that? Those are, have um, solar panels with them. 
And, um, and so how do you fix the, the inverter that goes with that? Yeah, all the so those are all the things. So we don't have to go back. Those water systems are going to last 15, 20 years until they can do a, a bigger, even bigger system. And then that's their responsibility. That's right. And they carry that on. Yeah. 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 And that was one of the amazing things for us was to see the, the transition to where it, it became, instead of being a World Vision project, it became a third project. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, the church is still going to be there. Those, that um, CBO is going to still be there. Those people are still going to be there. We never want them to be relying on us. We never want them to be relying on, on, on Bethany. So we're just giving them that, those skills and that attitude, that behavior change and that, that, that mentality change that they're strong, that God has blessed them, that they have what it takes to be able to sustain their own, yeah. their own development. Yeah. And it takes, a time, it takes time to get there. It's not, it's not fast. I wish it was. But it's, it's a slow process. But you start to see them change their attitude yeah. about themselves yeah. and what they can do. And yeah. that's beautiful. And that's one of the reasons when we entered into it, they asked us for a 10-year commitment. Mm -hmm. And it was probably around year seven or eight, somewhere in there, that yeah. we begin to see, oh, these folks are taking ownership of this, and, which is what we would long to see. But yeah. it, was, it was an amazing thing to witness that, to see that happen. Now, Samuel sent you a, um, a word of appreciation and thanks. And we're inviting you to send a word of appreciation and thanks back. So I want, I want John to say a little bit of a word about how important that is to the staffs and these ADPs? Well, you know, our staff, just like here, have been holed up, right? They, a lot, we've been working from home, and the office in Kenya, Nairobi's been mostly working from home. But these guys are oftentimes work away from their families. They're called by God to go work in these really distant places. And, and they've sacrificed a lot. They've suffered a lot, just like all of us. And so your encouragement to them to say thank you for, for, for all that you're doing, thank you for your prayers, your prayers mean an enormous amount yeah. to them. Just that somebody on the other side of the world, eight or nine time zones away, is praying for them when they sometimes feel forgotten out in the boondocks. Yeah. It just goes such a long way. So we did our videos, like you said last mm -hmm. night, because I know I have staff that live 16 hours drive away from where I work and they sometimes feel forgotten. And so for you to be able to write a message to them, just encouraging them or to send a message, a video message, it really does mean a lot. I guarantee you that many of them will be crying when they see your messages. Yeah. So please take that time to do that. Yeah. It will mean a lot. Yeah. Thank you, John. Yeah, thanks. thanks. So, yeah. Oh. That's a... Uh, one of the things, the first couple of trips we made, we were, we were just so impressed with the staff. It was just, they're, they're such an amazing group of men and women. And many of them have given up much more lucrative careers to come and do this. Uh, and they're just, they're amazingly gifted. Um, so, so coming back to this now to talk about uh, Missio Dei, you know, the, the end result of such Missio Dei is the glorification of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's to, to lift up God, to glorify God, not to lift ourselves up or glorify us but to lift up and glorify what God is doing in that. And I, and I still remember, uh, I think on the first trip I was down there, Moses Kiptugan, who was the manager there at that time, had his morning devotion with his staff, and he said to them, God is using us to raise the level of hope in this community. And I thought, wow, that is really, that is really powerful. Uh, and, and by partnering in with that, we get to be part of that. 
In the same way that staff is, God is also using us to raise the level of hope in this community. And that's what we get to be. That's what we get to do as we join together in this. So when you're going out, there's a mission stuff out there. There's a, a place where you, if you want to write a prayer on the back of one of the prayer cards, uh, you can write a note of appreciation to them. You can record a video. Uh, also remember, this is uh, Nick's reception out there. So there are cards also to write love notes to Nick for the 15 years he's served in the midst of us. Because, um, you know, that, that word of appreciation means a tremendous amount, whether we're uh, here or whether we're in Kenya or whether we're in Zambia. Uh, so as you go out, take advantage of that and, t- and take a moment to do that. And, and just remember that uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you invite us into your mission Uh, that you give us the the honor and the privilege of coming alongside and participating in what you're doing Um, and and seeing you do things uh, that go beyond anything we could even imagine. So, uh, so Father, hear us as we give you thanks this morning. Remember to keep, uh, keep our spirits and hearts humble as we are in this, that we might always remember that this is about your mission and not about ours. Uh, and then open our eyes to see the amazing things you're doing and that you invite us into. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.